this week on the Iowa Watch Connection. You know, this is a this is a really an interesting campaign. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about things that I, I think help illuminate how someone would be as president. Interesting to say the least, and it all ends Tuesday where it started nine months ago here in Iowa. Is anyone discussing the issues we care about? A big one would be the economic factors, in my opinion. Biggest disparities in terms of how each person wants to move the country forward. A final preview of the 2016 general election. Our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Even those of us who love government and politics are frankly a little weary now this final weekend before the Tuesday general election. We have to remind ourselves that paying attention, being educated, and participating fully in the process is key to our representative democracy functioning as it was designed to function. At times, it seems like some politicians are trying to drive us away through their actions. But since it is important, executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Lyle Muller, has our story. For more than a year, we've been talking with Iowa voters about the presidential election that launches when the Iowa Presidential Precinct Caucuses are held. Are the presidential candidates seeking their party's nomination addressing issues about which you care? Answering the question is Ed Raber, the Washington Iowa Economic Development Group director. You know, this is a this is a really interesting campaign. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about things that I, I think help illuminate how someone would be as president, but not necessarily what they'll do as president so much. So. Um, it's been a campaign of mostly uh, revealing the psyches of the candidates and their uh, and the people that would likely be in their administration. The economic development group Raber Leeds is a public-private partnership founded 30 years ago to grow business in Washington County in southeast Iowa. Speaking with Iowa Watch reporter Krista Johnson, he said he's interested in the defense budget for two reasons. One is how much it takes out of the nation's budget, but the other is because of how vital national defense is from a foreign policy and safety standpoint. I still don't know exactly for real what Donald Trump is going to do. Um, He can say whatever he's going to do, but... um, Uh, I I don't really have a clear vision for how he's going to implement that or do it other than get it done, which is not really an answer. Um, And I think even uh, Hillary Clinton as a candidate has probably spent more time just talking about those same things being dragged into that discussion. So you're not even exactly sure what she's going to do. I mean, if you just listen to what comes to you in the airwaves, it's not about either candidate's particular health plan, tax plan, infrastructure plan, foreign policy plan. Um, It's just sort of knee-jerks and uh, unpleasant. On the other side of the state, in northwest Iowa, Topiz Martinez is interested in global warming, the economy, and taxes. You might remember Martinez. We featured some of his comments in a previous report. He owns and manages Better Day Cafe in Storm Lake. The question for him this time around... What would you like the next president to do about these issues? Well, uh, uh, I guess, you know, do something about it or, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, f- figure out the next step from here as far as it either being the economy or the, the 
you see, those are my two biggest uh, problems is uh, with the global warming or the state of the earth and, and the economy as far as taxes and uh, those, those issues. Iowans like to say how lucky they are that they can meet candidates during the many visits presidential aspirants make to Iowa and hold their feet to the fire on issues and also make judgments about those candidates. Here is Catherine Hove, a Solon Republican, when we caught up with her at a Rick Santorum appearance in Iowa City last January. That's an important issue to me. I think we need to be a country of laws, and the only way to, if people don't like the law, enforcing the law will motivate people to want to change the law. But right now we're becoming kind of a, a country where the federal government picks and chooses which laws they want to enforce and which ones they don't. That would never happen on the state or local level. A lot has happened since the Iowa caucuses last February 1st. Donald Trump, who finished behind Ted Cruz in Iowa, is the Republican presidential nominee. Hillary Clinton, who edged Bernie Sanders, is the Democratic nominee. This is Caitlin Gross, a University of Iowa student from Ames. I was pretty much just a huge Bernie supporter, so I agreed with a lot of what he would say um, in regards to, you know, I mean, he wanted, like, free education. I wouldn't be, you know, opposed to that. Obviously, I don't think that's realistic, but maybe focusing more on, like, lowering tuition for colleges and stuff like that and then getting problems away from the big corporations and getting the control away from them more so um, was one of his big things, too, and just equality overall. Dan Blum is general manager of the 30 Hop Restaurant in Coralville. Originally from Ames, he said he's interested in the economy. A big one would be the economic factors, in my opinion. Uh, very, those are the two uh, biggest disparities in terms of how each person wants to move the country forward is kind of the uh, uh, tax program, which is always going to be the case when you compare the two parties. But they're that drastically different. But no one can really give a, a straight answer in terms of what that looks like. It's just a bunch of pundits that run their projections to see which one would be most fruitful the, for the economy. Blum said he's heard candidates address issues, to a degree anyway. He wasn't really ready to go all out on that question. And he had a few words to say about listening to the candidates talk about the issues. I feel like the uh, debate platform is um, more and more obsolete, and they should almost just lock people into a room and make them write essays and actually address answers as opposed to, instead of, Addressing actually issues that are brought up, they seem to address the downfall in other people's um, opinion as opposed to addressing their own opinion. Reporters helping Iowa Watch compile this report were Noel Akawaja and Krista Johnson, who are Iowa Watch staffers and student journalists at the University of Iowa, Jonathan Lasniak, an Iowa State University student journalist who participated in a fall 2015 Iowa Watch college media project, and Jasmine Bautista, a journalism student at Buena Vista University. I'm Lyle Muller with the Iowa Watch Connection. Todd Dorman is a columnist for the Gazette newspaper in Cedar Rapids, online at thegazette.com. He told Lyle Muller that his readers have some very definite opinions about this campaign. And you've covered politics a long time, and ordinarily in an interview like this, a throwaway question is, what unusual things have you seen in the campaign? Would that kind of question even register this year? 
Uh, I think the entire campaign has been an unusual thing, so that that would be tough to pick out <laughs> one or even five or six unusual things. I, it's it's almost as if everything we knew about the way campaigns are supposed to operate, the way uh, you know what candidates are supposed to do to get votes, have all been sort of thrown out the window, at least by by the Republican nominee. So it's uh, it's it's going to there are going to be uh, you know shelves in universities filled with uh, theses and, and and books about this campaign, about all all of the all of the conventions it broke and all of the rules it broke and what it means for the future and how it affected things uh, in the in the days ahead. When you talk with voters, what types of things are they telling you? Are they giving you an impression that they're hearing things from the candidates, the presidential candidates, that is, that they want to hear? Well, I, I think mostly what I hear from voters during this election is not so much that they're pleased with the proposals that their candidates are making. What I hear is that there is the anger they have about the other side. I hear from Democrats who are talking about you know, the horrible things that Donald Trump has done or said. And I'm hearing from uh, Trump supporters that are angry that they don't think the media is telling the full story about how horrible Hillary Clinton is. I, I get very little stuff from either side that's, you know, my candidate is great because it's mostly I'm voting for my candidate because the other one is completely unacceptable. And that's that's sad because, you know, the 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 hope is that elections can be aspirational in some way, you know, about the future and, and what you know, what sort of ideas candidates have going forward to make the country better. But this just seems like it's a it's a battle to prove which candidate is the, you know, the, the lesser of the two evils. I mean, that's that's what I'm hearing. Does it seem that the presidential candidate is dwarfing some of the other elections going on? For example, the Senate race is out there with Chuck Grassley and Patty Judge. But the Iowa legislature is up for grabs, especially the Senate. Do you see much attention being given to that? The presidential race has taken up a lot of the oxygen. I mean, the the Senate race you mentioned, the Iowa, the race for control of the Iowa Senate, probably will have more direct impact on every on Iowans every day than the presidential race. But I mean, the media saturation, and you look at social media, people's Facebook feeds and their Twitter accounts, and and whatever other you know platforms they're using. It's just everything is about the presidential race. There's just very little about this down ballot stuff. I, I, it's it, and that's another unfortunate aspect of this is that a lot of these sort of important races for the legislature, county board of supervisor, I mean positions that really have a big impact, you know, on the local issues that affect people, they're getting a lot of short shrift. They're kind of all on the back burner while this presidential race just just uh, takes up all the attention. Todd Dorman of the Gazette newspaper in Cedar Rapids in conversation with Lyle Muller of Iowa Watch. Coming up, we'll hear from a national radio host to get a broader perspective on the presidential race and its impact on us here in Iowa. That's next, as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. 
Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Let's take a look now at this election season from a broader perspective and see how the nation views things. We're joined on the news line by repeat guest Jim Bohannon, Radio Hall of Famer and host of a weeknight program from 9 until midnight, which airs on many of these Iowa Watch Connection stations. From the callers that you have dealt with this cycle, do you sense a greater dissatisfaction with the whole process than perhaps previous cycles? Oh, much greater, Jeff, uh, although uh, the satisfaction is, is not too focused. There's this uh, general feeling that things are wrong in Washington, that the other side is a, a pack of unpatriotic liars, that the media is lying, that the polls are lying. There is uh, almost a, a, a blanket uh, spherical cynicism, that is to say cynicism in whatever direction you look. Is this focus then on solutions when you hear this, or is it just people who are complaining and don't really know what to do with their grievances? Very much the latter. Uh, very much the latter. I had uh, one caller one night, uh, a Trump supporter, as it turned out, but that uh, wouldn't necessarily have been the case. And uh, uh, he, he just went on and on about it and summarized by saying, I'm, and I'm mad. And I said, being mad isn't enough. And before I could even follow up on that, he said, yes, it is. And I said, no, it isn't. I said, no problem will be solved by the gross national temper tantrum. And all I did was make him madder. Do you think that, and I'm focusing now on the national race for president, it has probably been, without, I suppose, much dispute, the most unique run for public office that we have ever seen, frankly, on both sides. Do you think that this is the beginning of a new normal, or will we in 10 years look back and say 2016 was quite the aberration and that the status quo in terms of how campaigns are conducted returns by 2020? To a certain extent, it's an aberration. Uh, Hillary Clinton's views are, are no aberration. Uh, the, uh, the baggage she carries, more baggage than United Van Lines, that's probably somewhat unique. The, uh, the Trump message, I suspect, may continue the more or less a populist nationalism, if you will, and it hasn't been too well articulated before, uh, to be perfectly candid, not that well articulated this time at times either. But the thing of it is, I think that the Trump phenomenon very much has become one of personality. And I look at other uh, movements in the country which seem to be very dominated by personality. Once Ross Perot left the Reform Party, it degenerated into pretty much nothing. Uh, George Wallace's movement back in the 60s, once Wallace became incapacitated, degenerated into pretty much nothing. And I'm not sure what will happen if... uh, Trump loses, uh, and the, the movement looks for a leader. Uh, who, who's out there? Jeff Sessions? I mean, uh, there may be some agreement on issues, but there's no loud, bombastic showman like Donald Trump to keep it going. So 
I don't uh, know that, that that may turn out to be much more than an aberration. If there's a movement there, I have yet to see who picks up the reins. And especially, you need to be a well-funded leader of a movement, and that's what worked for Perot, that's what worked for Trump. But uh, if he does not hand it off to someone else with equal funding, those followers have nowhere to go, at least in the short term. No, they do not. Uh, And regarding well-funded, too, that's uh, an interesting point. Uh, Trump has made much of the fact that he's very wealthy and doesn't need a lot of donations. Well, he lived pretty much off of press coverage during the run to the Republican nomination. Since that time, for a man who has trailed almost the entire post-convention cycle, he has been vastly outspent by Hillary Clinton. And Clinton, of course, now has so much money, she's even blowing money on TV ads in blue states of all places, while Trump campaigns in equally blue states for reasons that escape most all of us. Where's all that Trump money? If he's really serious about being president, if he's got $10 billion, well, try to limp along on $9 billion, spend some of that money. The idea of a candidate being independently wealthy and this far behind and not spending that money is incomprehensible to me. It's a very fair point. As you accurately point out, he got all sorts of free media, still gets all sorts of free media, and so his view is he doesn't need to spend the money. That's an arguable point, but... Did the national media fail to take him seriously early enough so that now we have all of these things coming to light in the last month before the election? I think there was a feeling in the beginning that this couldn't possibly be serious, that this was a person who was a caricature of a candidate, and that it couldn't be that the public would take him seriously. Well, a lot of people obviously have, and here we are and in a very fragmented Republican field in what is admittedly a smaller universe of a Republican primary and caucus electorate, uh, Donald Trump won the nomination and without that much difficulty. Uh, now we hear we have a candidate who uh, apparently seems to confuse the notion that any ink is good ink with uh, what works in politics. Uh, in showbiz, any, any ink may be good ink. In politics, not so at all. And uh, that's been a problem for him, certainly. Uh, not the least of which uh, augmented by his very undisciplined tongue. Here is, I don't know how many times, uh, his backers, uh, the the Rudy Giuliani's and Newt Gingrich's and Chris Christie's and Mike Pence's of the world, have had to say that the phrase, what Donald meant was, uh, and that's unfortunate for him. From the callers who call into your national program, what sort of effect will both national ticket holders have on down-ticket races. There was the prevailing view that there's no coattail effect for Trump and he may hurt down-ticket. Well, she doesn't appear to be bringing along too many on her coattails either, I don't think. No, I don't think so, Uh, especially, of course, with further revelations uh, via WikiLeaks uh, of the extent to which the, uh, the Democratic National Committee was a rigged game to give Hillary Clinton the nomination and, uh, perform any number of dirty tricks against uh, the Bernie Sanders crew. So I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I think for many people this is a, a lesser of two evils uh, kind of presidential race. And I'm not sure uh, to the extent that, that, that there are, as you say, coattails at all, uh, not even negative coattails. Uh, remember that, that uh, while Hillary Clinton may represent much thinking in the Democratic Party, again, she's anathema to those on the far left of the Democratic Party, And uh, in the case of Trump, we did not have here anything other than the hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Trump represents many viewpoints which are anathema 
to Republican leadership, on top of which some of them are, uh, frankly, uh, more Democratic-oriented in some ways. If Trump were to be elected, he would, uh, on many occasions, be relying more on Democrats in Congress than on fellow Republicans to get things done. So, coattails, uh, I don't I don't think there's going to be that much of an effect. I suppose there are some straight uh, ticket voters, and if you were looking at, let's say, a, a massive landslide, then there might be coattail effects. Uh, but I don't see that. You alluded to this a bit, but it seems to me regardless of who wins, governing is going to be quite challenging because we have because we have so many people voting for Trump, really voting against Clinton, and voting for Clinton, really voting against Trump. So it's sort of like the dog chasing the car. What do you do once you get the car? Well, how are they going to govern when it is based on, in essence, a negative foundation? I think that that's going to be a major problem. Uh, more than a few Republicans, and I gather with the, the tacit support of the Republican leadership, more than a few Republicans are running uh, for Congress on the view that somebody has got to uh, be a, a roadblock to the ambitions of President Clinton. That is to say, Republican candidates presupposing that their party will lose the presidency and offering themselves then as a counterbalance to uh, President Hillary Clinton. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a real problem. Governing for either, either side will be a problem. Uh, certainly, it'll take a massive Hillary landslide to, to dislodge Republicans from control of the House. So if things go as the polls would indicate, you'll, you may have a Democratic president, a Republican House, uh, the Senate uh, a toss-up. And so, uh, again, the American public will probably have voted the straight paralysis ticket. Nationally syndicated radio talk show host Jim Bohannon spoke to me earlier this week from his studios in Washington, D.C. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more iowawatch.org. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org. 